Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Completely surprised me. Yeah, today's episode is going to be all about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There will be some spoilers to follow, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to remain unspoiled, don't watch this video. Come back later. Also, wanted to talk about GCX. This is a convention, a gaming convention, that is thrown by a couple of our friends. It's in Orlando, Florida, and it's coming up in early August, and we will be attending, and we just wanted to start to get the word out about that. There's also a link in the description if you're interested in coming buy your tickets from that link and you'll be supporting us when you do that which would be great so we hope to see some of you there ryan hammond and slim daddy j ask us what our favorite and least favorite parts were my favorite part i actually think is something i haven't heard a lot of people talking about yet i've heard a lot of uh, other reviewers that we listen to online they're talking about the prologue which i did really like but I think my favorite part of the movie was the diving sequence and the stuff on the boat afterwards. Ooh, I yeah. liked all of that. I did too. I liked um, the the bit where she was reading off of the stone and kind of like flubbing some of it. But then she had the whole dynamite stick in her pocket trick. I really loved all of that. And then she got the cigarette well, yeah, while she's feeding them some kind of false information and then they're trying to light the dynamite while it's behind her back. I thought that entire sequence was really well done. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it was that Ronaldo and the rest of the boat crew died because that that, you know, I'll save that for my least favorite part because I think it is relevant. But the diving sequence is just something that we haven't really seen in Indiana Jones before. And going into the movie, uh, our our friend Zach and I, we were discussing like well, all of the tropes, kind of like I did with uh, that video on Thursday. W what are the tropes of Indiana Jones and what are we going to see in Dial of Destiny? And we just couldn't figure out a new creepy crawly. And the eels, I was in the theater like, of course, like just go underwater. Or, I couldn't think of anything else on land that would work and be different than snakes and rats and bugs. And they did still bring bugs back. But the <laughs> eels, I was like, this is good. They're the snakes of the sea, yeah. even though there are technically sea snakes. There are sea snakes. It, it, yeah. I liked that as well. Just like something similar to snakes Yes, for Indy to be afraid of. And he didn't really, like, I guess he kind of freaked out when they were swarming him, which mm -hmm. anyone would. Like, I, I do think that that is maybe my second favorite creepy crawly i still think the bugs just personally for me i'm more afraid of bugs uh but the eels i'm like when you're stuck underwater surrounded by eels that does not sound like a good time i would rather be yeah. on my feet surrounded by snakes or rats plus you have the added element of they're given only like three minutes to be down there so you have the added element of 
being underwater, having a limited amount of time to be under there, and then Indy gets stuck temporarily. Like he does, he's not stuck for long, but still, it was like kind of a heart pounding moment. Mm -hmm. And that's something I didn't think about either is just going backwards for like scuba diving equipment. And I feel like there probably would be some other stuff available, but some more sophisticated scuba diving gear. But uh, in 1969, and you're just like on your old buddy's boat <laughs> that that's what they had and then when they cut that one guy's line i was like oh god yeah that was rough so yeah i i think eels boat sequence my favorite part what about you um i mean i loved all the action stuff i did really enjoy the is it called a tuk tuk the oh the the, the three-wheeled bike kind of thing i don't remember what those things are called i liked that chase even though we had already seen a few minutes of it um, at Star Wars Celebration. I think that chase as a whole was was really, really fun. And then basically everything having to do with the dial itself, I thought was mm. really, really cool. The history behind it, how it worked, the search for it, just thought it was neat. Yes, I, I did like the MacGuffin quite a bit. I think that was my favorite chase as well. It felt the most Indiana Jones. And there were definitely moments where it would cut back and forth between real cars driving and stunt performers on the cars and then when it was like close-ups on harrison it makes sense that then you i was like yeah that's a green screen um which is fine but a lot of the stunts just felt more visceral more dangerous i love that shot of indy jumping from his vehicle that's about to crash into the other one or Helena hanging off the back of the car while they're all shooting at each other. Like, I, I loved Helena fun. saying something like, I'm getting what I came for. I'm, I'm getting what's mine. And she takes like the crowbar mm -hmm. and just like gets it stuck in the other car and just kind of like goes with it. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, for my least favorite aspect of the movie, or I guess this could be a part, but it, it's involved with the the boat scene. I was upset that Ronaldo died. I was upset that the rest of the diving crew was killed. I also didn't like seeing the two teachers get murdered, the cab driver, the Italian ticket taker. There was just a lot of innocent bystander death mm -hmm. in this movie that, I mean, that just doesn't seem to happen in other indie films and just made me feel bad. But it also made me hate the villains more, yeah. which, like, you know, you do want to hate your villains. It was pretty violent for an indie film and like yeah the the body count was pretty high it's interesting because like all the indie films are violent you know there are people getting shot left and right but it's just not people who didn't sign up for the the adventure it's just yeah. innocent people who happen to be around and uh it just made me sad mm. <laughs> especially ronaldo where ronaldo. he he seemed like he was just trying to help Indy, and then he's like, who are these people? And yeah. now he's dead. And like, oh, just, it just hurt. Antonio. I was convinced that him and his life partner were just like having their best life on that boat, and I wanted to know more about them. And uh, I think I even leaned over and asked you, do we know this boat guy from the other movies? And you were like, no. And I was like, oh, no. He's <laughs> oh, a goner. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Did you have a least favorite aspect? Uh... I mean, it's cliche, but and and I'm sure I'll get hate for this, but the CGI face at the at the start is uh, not my jam. Okay, save your thoughts because we're going to talk about that later. Okay. <laughs>
This is no concept wants to know what our rankings of the five movies are. I think they're probably the same. I think I think they're slightly different. Uh, okay. Because I think you prefer Crusade over Raiders, and I prefer Raiders over Crusade. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I need to rewatch Raiders. Here, I thought this was going to be a really fast to answer question. Just one that people always want to know. What are your rankings? I've always said Raiders first, but then we rewatched Crusade and I really like it. So is it just I, the whatever is the most recent Indiana Jones <laughs> film you've seen? That's your favorite one? Probably. It, it <laughs> Although does you change did watch, a lot. You watched Crystal Skull uh, after Crusade. and I did. Yeah. Still preferred Crusade. That one's still at the bottom for me, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. Um, my favorite, my order goes Raiders, Crusade, uh, then I think I'm going to put Dial of Destiny, Temple of Doom, and uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think that's the same for me. Raiders and Crusade will sometimes swap. Mm. And, which I get. Like I think Raiders is the better movie. It's also the one that I enjoy more. I just think it's perfectly paced and crazy fun throughout. But I think that Last Crusade and its message is more uh effectively communicated the relationship between indy and his father like that that really lands better than uh indy and marion like mm-hmm. I, I love marion as a character but i think the the message that indiana jones delivers of him choosing marion over the arc is good and then it's undercut by marion's absence in uh the last crusade mm-hmm. like the, he found like this temporary happiness with her over the arc and then it's gone so yeah I, I think that the relationship between henry jones senior and junior is it's just so good uh, yeah sean connery makes that movie pure joy for me yeah and then i know a lot of people are surprised when i i don't rank temple of doom as high as the other two because it is so different but also like I just didn't grow up watching it the same way that I did Raiders and Crusade because it was like the dark one and there's human sacrifice in it and stuff. And like, I kind of understand where my parents are coming from, but also I'm like, you let me watch a a dude's face melt off. Another dude's head exploded. That dude's head imploded. Uh, and it was fine to see uh, Donovan's super fast aging. Well, those were religious artifacts, so that's history. I mean, yep. Yeah, so were the Sankara <laughs> stones. It's just like I, I, the tone. I'm just, like talking about like uh, maybe why your parents let you watch those. I, I bet that's an aspect of it. Um, but also, Temple. The tone of Temple is much darker and much scarier. So yeah, I I think they were afraid I would be afraid. But mm-hmm. I do feel like there's a double standard going on. But all that to say, I just don't have the same like childhood connection to Temple as I did with Raiders and Crusade. I do think that like because of the the time that Temple came out, a lot of people our age love that one and you know grew up watching that one. I didn't grow up watching these any of these really like a lot. I'm surprised your dad didn't put them on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they seem like was, they'd be up his alley. He was more into like strictly westerns, westerns and, and war movies. Like. Yeah, I I don't know what he thought about indie, but he has a fun hat. Just like. <laughs> I'm sure he liked indie, and I know I saw m- most of them when I was younger. I just don't vividly remember them. So like, I think people growing up 
watching Temple still rank it a little higher today. I did not yeah. grow up watching it, so. And to your point, one of my best friends growing up, like his favorite was Temple, and I was like, I've never seen it, and I was like, I, I had that jealousy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the first time I finally watched Temple of Doom. I, I don't have that like first viewing memory the way I do with Raiders and Crusade. I was talking to Molly earlier, like I remember the TNT graphic of the Indiana Jones marathon they were doing. And my parents were like, let's watch Indiana Jones. And so one night we watched Raiders and then the next night we didn't watch Indiana Jones. And then the next night we watched Last Crusade. <laughs> mm -hmm. Weird. Hmm. I do think, you know, Crystal Skull, ha having rewatched it recently, it's not as bad as what people gave it crap for, you know, like it's not awful. It's just really different. And there is a lot of kind of hokey CG stuff in there, but it does have one of my favorite lines, which is when Mutt is talking about how God looks with the, the elongated skulls and all that. Yeah, God and, doesn't look like that. Yeah. And Indy says, depends on who your God is. And I just think that, really resonated with me a lot and is a great line. Crystal Skull still has some good moments in it. I think that there's always, especially when you grew up watching Indiana Jones or Star Wars, and then every time you are an adult and you're watching Kingdom or you're watching Dial of Destiny, even though, especially for Dial, I went in going like, I know it's not going to make me feel the same way that Raiders and Crusade did like I knew that but still in my head it's just impossible to not compare them especially on the first viewing so it's like I need to see it again with all expectations out of the way it's like no matter how hard I try to leave my expectations at the door there's always a little bit in there and I, but I, I did quite enjoy Dial of Destiny I just didn't love it the way that I love Raiders and Crusade and hold them up to <laughs> such high esteem. I don't think it's possible for, for you to not go in with some of those expectations because of all the content you made covering mm. the, the, the films and, you know, gearing up for this one's release. Almost everyone we know online has been talking about the movie. People that went to the premiere saw it early and there's just like so much hype built up around it that, you know, if you're a fan of the franchise, it's hard not to have a little bit of an expectation. Right. But it did kind of land where I expected it. I was like, I hope that I, I like it as much as Raiders and Crusade and it wasn't on that level, but I did like it more than Temple or Skull. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm happy with where it landed, but there is that little bit of me that's like, but I wish it made me feel that way even though yeah. I, I just knew it wouldn't. <laughs> you always wish that the thing that you love will just blow you away. Right. But I'm happy with the movie. Like, it did make me feel okay, happy and we content and satisfied. All right. <laughs> All right. You don't have to keep apologizing <laughs> I'm for so sorry, your Indy. feelings. I'm on sorry, it. Indy. Guiguio <laughs> <laughs> and White Wolf 496 ask our thoughts on how time travel was handled. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I remember prepping up for this movie and hearing rumors of time travel and having discussions with friends who were worried about the time travel. And I was like, if it happens, it's not going to happen until the end of the movie. That's when Indiana Jones movies go crazy. And I was like, so it's probably going to be for the most part, uh, restrained. 
and I, I'm happy with how they did it. Yeah, and I liked also that it, they kind of waited till the end to do it, and I liked how they brought it up within the movie, talking about the dial itself and just not just like outright talking about time travel and how it works and where we're going to go with it. They were just like, it can predict fissures in time. Yep. There's no need to go into it any further than that. And I appreciated that they kept that part simple. Yeah, they didn't really keep it a, a secret in the movie or even in the build up to it. James Mangold talked about the device as like a time compass. And you're like, okay, like time travel is going to be in this. Uh, I also like the way that they treated the rules of time travel. It's like movies about time travel or stories tend to go one of two different ways, either like everything has happened already and there is no changing the past or you have back to the future rules where you can go back to the past and change things and then go back to the future and you're like oh my life is better mm-hmm. uh, or oops biff is in control oh no yeah <laughs> so oops all biffs i <laughs> while i love back to the future i am glad that indy went the route of this has all happened you cannot change it the fact that they and they foreshadowed it so well through the movie uh to the point where you like felt like you were getting an idea the centurion and the dragon i did not know what that was about until mm. after everything that was happened chef's kiss yeah i really like that very well done so subtle yeah. you know to the point where i i did notice it when you know the it came up i forget who said it like uh, they think we're a monster or if someone actually said the word they, dragon they said but they have dragons or something they have dragons yeah and i was like oh I was like, that was really smart. I really liked Archimedes' tomb with the phoenix with the propellers yeah. and being like, what is this about? And finding a watch. Yeah, the watch. And then Indy sees Voller putting that watch on. And I, like, I think that's when he figures it out. Like, this isn't going to work. Mm. And there's no changing things. <laughs> and the, and I, I love that Voller just can't see that that he is so into his calculations and stuff and he messes up because he doesn't know his history of tectonic plates and what continental drift and all Mm -hmm. that so i thought that was really cool and well done uh but i'm glad indy and time travel followed that set of rules yeah i started to get afraid as the film went on that like Everyone was going to get a turn with the dial. Helena was going to use it to go do something. Indy was going to use it to go see something. And like they would all be tempted by it Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, And I'm glad that that didn't happen because I was like, we don't have time for that. Right. This movie's already a little too long for my taste. (laughs) It was a long movie. And they definitely spent a lot more time with the supernatural stuff than I think any other indie movie, you know. Raiders of the Lost Ark, you open the box, Indy doesn't even look at it, faces melt, it's like two minutes or so. Uh, Last Crusade, you have Donovan turning to dust, that happens pretty fast. Temple to Doom, you, you have the human sacrifices and the voodoo, but it just wasn't as insane as something like time travel. Anyway, I'm just trying Crystal to say... Crystal Skull had a, had a lot of alien stuff in it. At the end. Yeah. But it was still like a matter of minutes, and this, the Sorry, third act... interdimensional being. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Dial of Destiny had an extended sequence in the past. 
So despite how much screen time the past got, mm. I do think that they showed some good restraint. But because that was like an actual historical event, it didn't feel supernatural. Yeah, it's this weird, like the the time travel part of it, that was the supernatural bit. And mm -hmm. then it's like, it, it's supernatural to the Romans. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to us, we're just like, these two things don't match up. This right. is fun. Yeah, I, I, I really liked the third act. CJB Studios asks if Indy should have revisited the previous four films through time travel. I, I wanted to talk about this, and I knew the question was coming, so I saved it. So, yeah, like I said, I feel like they showed some decent restraint in the time travel. Like Molly said, they didn't go overboard with everyone, like, fighting over the dial, and now we're here, and now we're there. I am happy, especially it wouldn't have worked with the rules that they established, where... Indy showing up to change things from the past. It just wouldn't have worked. But I'm also glad they didn't pull like an Avengers Endgame mm. where it's like, let's go through the greatest hits of Indy's life. Like, yeah. nah, we don't need that. I'm glad that they did not do that as well. I didn't have any inkling that they would do that. Like, I didn't think that that was going to happen. I feel like that would have been in bad taste for James Mangold to like, throw this indie into all the other indies movies i don't i don't like that it, it just i mean it does not seem like something james mangold would want to do at all just listening to him talk in interviews and stuff which we're going to talk about that later on but that seems like something he would have been very much against and yeah th there was in the back of my head i was pretty anxious about the time travel the whole time of like I was optimistic, but I was like, I don't really want them to pull an end game where we go back to all these like greatest hits moments. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't need that. I'll just watch the movie again if mm -hmm. that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, keep those where they are. Natalie Franchini wants to know if we're happy Indy didn't stay in the past. And yeah, and I, I think that the best part about the time travel and the Archimedes style and all that is that th they went back into time and it wasn't just for insanity's sake it was important to the plot and it went to indy's like big choice and his emotional turning point mm -hmm. yeah i'm really glad he didn't just stay there that would have been crazy and ridiculous and i would have booed no i'm kidding <laughs> i wouldn't have booed but i would have been shocked and then not surprised at the people dunking on the movie if that had happened because like i thought that would have been the dumbest decision at that point it felt like indy was just tired he had been shot he was like let's just leave me here to die yeah so dumb i i was very much afraid he was gonna stay i did not want that uh he of all people should have known that that would have changed history in a major way maybe not a major way but like even in a slight way, it would have changed history and, like, who knows what would have changed. And again, because, like, they established the rules with the phoenix in the plane and the watch. Like, Indy, I think, knows that he can't stay there, but he's still... I, I guess if he had just stayed and died right away, <laughs> it wouldn't have changed much. <laughs> mm. But I, I think he knew that that wasn't his place, but he just saw this chance to be a part of history instead of going back and facing the difficulties of his life. Uh, 
I, I really enjoyed that he's like, well, who do I have to go back to? While Helena is literally like screaming at him to stay and, and like that she wants him in her life. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out when we were talking earlier that like he had tons of coworkers that cared about him and were celebrating him and his retirement. And yeah, he's sad that that part of his life is over and that the world's moving on. But I, I think he was just considering taking kind of the easy way of just i'll be a part of history but that that just would not have gelled for me because like i've talked about every indiana jones movie is about the human connection and not the artifact or the power that it provides Mm -hmm. and he always chooses marion or uh the the indian village or his father or his son over the artifact and so if he had just at the very end of his life been like, no, I'm going to choose the artifact, it mm, would have felt yeah. wrong to me. For him to take the selfish choice would have been very wrong. And talking about wanting to be a part of history, he doesn't realize that he has been a part of history his entire life. He's done so many crazy, amazing things, gone on so many adventures. He was like, there for the Apollo 11 astronauts coming back home. That was a moment in history that he just was like, Ugh, scoffed I, it yeah. off. I, and I think like if you were to go into the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, I know he meets all kinds of historical figures, not necessarily that they are canon or whatever, but yeah, he has witnessed history his whole life, but he's just in that moment, I think he is kind of, blind or in that time period for him like after he lost mutt he's blind to all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and i think that was very purposeful to have the moon landing happen and he just doesn't care he's he is stuck in the past with what happened to mutt and he wants to stay in the past and he needs someone to pull him out of it yeah it was so sad to see because you think you think indy of all people would be really excited and like interested in the moon landing stuff Mm -hmm. and he just like didn't want any part of it yeah hopefully he is interested in it when he gets home i will say that i wish that he made the decision for himself uh instead of being knocked unconscious like i get it but i feel like he could have just heard helena and her argument that he does have a place back home and i you know if you watched my our Mandalorian season three finale coverage where I was just like, I felt like Bo-Katan was kind of passive throughout the season. This is along those same lines. Like I just wanted Indiana to struggle with the choice and be tempted to stay back there, but to ultimately decide, no, you're right. Like I need to get out of this funk, go home, face things. So take responsibility for yourself, Indy. That that's something that I probably would have preferred change but it's okay also i'll point out that anyone who <laughs> does think that he should have stayed in the past that's okay too our fr- our same friend zach uh did he, he want him to stay he, he texted me last oh, night zach's in trouble with yeah me. zach burkett <laughs> or mapa wants to know our opinion of mutt's off-screen death speaking of mutt and the tragedy that has befallen indy uh yeah I am okay with how they handled Mutt. I was mostly afraid that they were just going to ignore him and the rest of Kingdom of Crystal Skull. I thought that there was a possibility 
that just Marion and Mutt would not be in this movie and it wouldn't be explained and they would just pretend Crystal Skull doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And even though that's our least favorite of the films, I don't want them to just like throw it away. Yeah, I I kind of assumed early on because we see that picture of Marion in the trailer and I was like, I think that is kind of trying to trick us into thinking because a lot of people were like, oh, no, is Marion dead? But I was like, I bet that means she's not dead, but Mutt is dead. And like, yes, it's sad and it does suck that it happened off screen, but I think that's kind of the only way to do it. Yeah, I don't know how else they would have done it on screen. So yeah. yeah. Ever since you pointed out how similar Indy's story got to be to Han's story, Han and Leia's story, I was like, now that's all I can think of. I know, that is something that I'm just like, you couldn't tweak it a little bit where Han and Leia and Indy and Marion, they both lose their son and, and then they separate in their grief and then they reunite. I, I am glad that at least one of Harrison Ford's <laughs> characters got to have a happier ending. Yeah. But he actually did lose his son, so it's not a fully happy ending, but yeah. Mm. It, it's just one of those things that, you know, when we were leading up to it, a lot of people were like, who's going to cameo in this film? Will Marion be in it? Short Round? Uh, Sala? And I didn't really hear many people clamoring to have Mutt in the movie. <laughs> and I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't need him in this film. I would like him acknowledged. I figured there would be a line about how he and Marion were on vacation somewhere while he had this, he got swept into some adventure. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with off-screen Mutt stuff. I guess I would have been curious uh, as to like what kind of father was Indy in between Crystal Skull and when Mutt what, joined the military? Enlisted, yeah. He enlisted uh, on to, purpose. To piss me off is yeah. what Indy said. So, so yeah. I, I do think it would have been interesting to to get to know what that relationship looked like, but obviously we, obviously we didn't have time for that. Yeah. But it would be interesting to know how that went. It would have been, yeah, probably a strained relationship. They were together for 12 years, I think, and they didn't grow up knowing one another. So, yeah, yeah I guess I, I get the sense that they didn't have the best relationship, probably a lot like henry senior and junior yeah and it's sad because in crusade you know you you see the struggle between him and his father and you see that his father wasn't the best father to him but you see them kind of like resolve some of their issues at least in the within the movie and then knowing that indy still was kind of a crappy father and i don't want to say crappy but like their relationship still couldn't work and then yeah. his thing with Marion still couldn't work. So, like, I don't know. Indy's kind of a sad character, too, at times. <laughs> he's never he's never going to get that resolution with his son. And yeah. that is sad. I'm glad that he got some resolution with Marion. But we were talking about how, like, we know canonically or whatever that they had a relationship and they broke up. And then in Raiders of the Lost Ark, they had a relationship and they broke up. And now they're back together, or they, then they got married, and then they got separated, and now they're back together, and you're just like, oh, fingers crossed it sticks this time. A, th a therapist would have some thoughts for the two of them. 
Yeah. I imagine. Maybe, hopefully, that's what they do. They go, they do get their issues sorted out, and they stay together until the end. Please. Austin Newell asks what we thought of de-aged Indy. There you go. Have at it. <laughs> uh, so as far as, like, the de-aging stuff that I've seen in the past couple of years, it is probably the best-looking version of a de-aged actor uh, it still didn't work for me. I still felt like I was looking at a CGI face. It gave me the same kind of vibe as like people talk about like the Uncanny Valley with things like Polar Express. It wasn't <laughs> anything that bad, no. but there's something about just how you can't convey the same amount of emotion, of emotion in a AI generated whatever deep fake face. You just can't. It's never going to look the same as a real person's face having real emotions acting in a scene. And I probably sound really snotty saying that, but it's just my preference. I don't like it. I don't think it should be in films and TV, but I know it's probably not going anywhere. So <laughs> it's something that like I'm interested in and it's all, but it's something that you just can't not know, especially when you're at. The level where we dissect this stuff like some people might go into the movie and have no idea there was going to be a de-aged indie and they might be blown away but we have been in like scrutinizing this since it happened in the mandalorian i, I guess really since it happened in rogue one even though that wasn't de-aging that was like a full-on face swap but still it's like we're we're scrutinizing this stuff and the second we know it's going to be in the movie it's like that's all you're thinking about is mm -hmm. like, how does it look in this moment? I feel like I actually broke out of that pretty well. I, I think that it looked great, um, not perfect. What bugged me about it was some of the line delivery. It That felt like it just didn't match. And I don't know if they did the same thing that they did with Mark Hamill's voice in the book of Boba Fett, where... It, it was Mark Hamill's voice, but it was all generated through AI. And they mm. did the same thing for James Earl Jones's voice in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, when I watched Book of Boba Fett, there would be some line deliveries from Luke to Grogu where he'd be like, is that all you've got? And it just felt <laughs> flat. It didn't feel like there was emotion behind it, like a teasing, playful nature. Similar stuff happened. It wasn't the whole time in the prologue of Dial of Destiny, but Indy had a couple lines, especially with uh, Toby Jones, uh, Basil, where they were talking and it just seemed like he was so bored <laughs> with what was happening. And you're like on a speeding train. Yeah. And it just, that's what is really helping or not helping me connect with the the ai the deep fake whatever right i mean they're never going to be able to get those little movements eye movements body language type things they can get real real close it's never going to be a perfect science but to me it just feels like kind of a slap in the face sometimes it's like you know harrison ford this amazing actor well this isn't him but pretend it is and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to like, and it's just me. If you loved it, that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to dunk on people who are into the 
the deep fake de-aging stuff, whatever you want to call it, it's just not for me. I agree. I, it, it just bugs me. Well, we were talking about just like, let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. What if they made that movie today instead of River Phoenix probably would have done a de-aged indie and instead of actually having him like running a, on a circus train it might have been digital and i'm mm -hmm. like now i'm gonna sound snooty and like oh the 80s but i just feel like the 80s were this magical time for some movies where it's like we didn't have crazy computer graphics they were on their way we could do some pretty cool stuff um but for the most part we had to be very creative problem solvers mm -hmm. and that's part of the charm i think of the old indie movies they had a real train and they had a real young person playing indie or let's <laughs> like jump into uh temple of doom they did not have like a full minecart set but the way they made that like that's one of my favorite little behind the scenes moments of like it's all miniatures and it's a camera that they basically just did stop motion and the caves are all like aluminum foil lit red mm. and i'm like i just love when you can find a solution like that that still looks great you can tell it's puppets and mm -hmm. all that but like you're in the moment at least it's still real you know it sometimes like just speaking for myself my brain gets tired of seeing like the computer generated stuff in movies because you know it's fake like you can see it, that it's fake and if it's real if it's like a miniature or a puppet you know that that's real for the most part and it's just like i don't know the way my brain works i get tired of just seeing constant you know computer animated things stuck in real life and i think that's why we both liked the tangier chase more than the prologue probably because they did do yeah. a lot of like real stunts real car things mixed in with some cg it was enhanced with cg but uh that just felt more intense and more thrilling and dangerous to me i should say like what i said about like my brain getting tired of seeing that stuff that's for like real life like real world type stuff if they're trying to make me believe that they're on a train and the train is made of computers <laughs> or whatever i get that star wars isn't real the the all the what? computer animated stuff in star wars doesn't bug me it's it's all fake yeah i don't mean to be like poo-pooing on <laughs> cgi like <laughs> no. obviously we we love a lot of stuff that ilm has done and the way that it's helped filmmaking move forward uh but it's just when i'm thinking about indiana jones movies so much of it is like the old sets and mm -hmm. like stunts and stuff that i i kind of felt myself longing for that yeah it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should i feel like they should ask themselves that more often when just being like oh yeah you can make that on a computer right Elo asty asks what our reaction would be if a sixth indie film were announced probably an exasperated sigh yeah, I'd honestly, be, I'd be shocked and and tired already because uh, not that I don't want more indie stories, but to come in and say, you know, that last time we said it was the last Indiana Jones movie. Just kidding. And it's like Last Crusade at the time we thought that was the last Indiana Jones movie. 
And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was something that had been worked on for a long time, and it was kind of like a surprise that it finally landed. And then I I think I was like, okay, well, that's probably the last Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) But then you heard whispers of a fifth one, and so it's like I just feel like we keep getting our last movie. But everyone has been so adamant that, like, this is it. And Harrison Ford is done. So to say that and then announce the sixth movie, I would just be like, ugh. Yeah, I should say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line some kind of spinoff or something were announced. But if they came out and were like, guess what? Harrison Ford is doing one more, number six. And I'd be like, what? Yeah. No. Speaking of spinoffs, Mac Lewis, Natrixa Morris, and Cyberpup all ask if we think there will be any kind of continuation of the Indiana Jones franchise following different characters. I don't really think so. I think it's possible. I don't think we've met those characters yet, if if there will be one. Like, I don't think it'll be Helena or the kid from, from Dial Destiny. I don't even remember his name. Teddy. Teddy. <laughs> he was great. I loved him. Uh, I'm just bad with names. But I, as much as I loved those characters in Dial of Destiny, I don't think they could hold their own film. We just don't know enough about them or film or tv show but i think it would be fine if they like rebooted a young indie type show for disney plus that sounds like something that could be coming down the line but hopefully not anytime soon we need a break to like digest one thing before they throw something else on the plate yeah i certainly think that there's always the option but i'm kind of skeptical that it'll happen harrison ford has also said like when i'm done indy is done and that doesn't mean they can't do a young indiana jones series again but i don't know i think i would be cool if they did books and comics and the occasional video game but like even that doesn't really happen now Uh, we've got a video game on the way. I'm excited about that. Indiana Jones is a character I love, a franchise I love, but it's one that I'm like not desperate to constantly have new stuff rolling out for it. It's fun to just like have a surprise every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, like I should read the books because I haven't read all but one of them and Mm. same with the comics. Like there's plenty of stuff I could explore and I just don't think anything else is on the table although i want to point out that james mangold did talk about the abner ravenwood rumored series uh he mentioned seeing some stuff from it when it was in development uh which it sounds like it's not anymore and uh, i I thought it was interesting that he brought that up on uh josh horowitz's podcast happy sad confused so that was a fun listen if you want to check it out but yeah and we joked about this last week that would Abner Ravenwood be able to carry a series? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think just Ravenwood would. Ravenwood is a work. it's a pretty cool title. Yeah. But we we already dunked on <laughs> Abner as a name. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's just after seeing this movie, this movie was made for already existing indie fans. This movie is not trying to get new people into indie. It's not The Force Awakens. It's not the start of a new trilogy, a start of a new story. It is like a bookend to the indie 
movies. Pretty definitely, I would say. You know, like, sometimes I think about Star Wars and how my favorite part about that franchise is, like, the universe as a whole and all the elements that make it up. The Indiana Jones universe, I mean, without Indy, without Harrison, I'm like, it can be done. Like, it can be over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what I like most is probably the character and a lot of the formula the formula can be done, but it doesn't have to be an Indiana Jones property. You know, yeah. like bring Brendan Fraser back. Let's do more mummy <gasps> movies. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I really like the first mummy. Not so much uh, Returns or the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor or whatever. Like, I didn't like those, but I don't like all the indie movies as much either. So, like, it's totally a ninety <laughs> a nineteen ninety nine movie too. I, I, like, the mummy, the mummy's great, perfect. But you know what? Give us a Doctor Afra movie. It'll be <laughs> indie adjacent, and it would be great. Sure, we would love that. Sure. Ormapa also wants to know if Dial of Destiny made us any more excited for James Mangold's Star Wars film. Um, I don't know that it made me more excited, but I, like I have retained my excitement. Uh, honestly, I have grown an excitement for Mangold's movie because in the lead up to Dial of Destiny, we've been going back through his filmography and watching things that we haven't seen before. So like just exploring his movies in general has got me pretty psyched and hearing him talk about the creation of Dial of Destiny and then seeing the movie itself, I'm like, I had no problem with his direction or anything. So, yeah, I'm I'm still excited for the Dawn of the Jedi. Yeah, I maybe it made me like a tiny bit more excited just because I liked the movie Dial of Destiny. So I'm just like, yeah, thumbs up. I think he will make a good Star Wars movie. But there, like, there weren't any particular elements about his direction that I've, you know focused on that are telling me like yes this man can handle star wars now as opposed to what i knew before seeing this movie yeah uh, i already brought up um josh horowitz's podcast but that conversation uh, I, I liked it a lot i liked hearing his process and his method and when he was approached to make dial he read the script and thought that it needed work he basically said has a lot of Indiana Jones element elements, but it didn't feel like it was about anything specific. So he was like, I would like to work on the script a little bit, but if I'm going to do this movie, basically we have to delay it a year, which it did get delayed a year. And I think that was probably a good call. Right. At the time I was like uh, upset that we were going to have to wait another year for Indy five, but I like that he is someone who is willing to put his foot down and say that he wants this story to mean something important and not just be like Indiana Jones fluff or Star Wars fluff in the future. And we've definitely had some moments in Star Wars in recent history where it's like, they probably should have delayed that movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they didn't. Right. And I would be, I'm glad that he is someone who is willing to fight for delays if it means an improvement yeah i i think we've just on our own had conversations interesting conversations about what we've what story elements and story beats we've taken from other james mangled films and how we could see it possibly coming up in 
his Star Wars movie, but I think that's a good topic for another video. I'm going to do a whole video about that next week, just about what I've learned from James Mangold and like what he has in common with a lot of his films. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the future. But yeah, like I don't think Dial of Destiny is even my favorite James Mangold movie. So I want to talk about like 310 to Yuma, Ford v. Ferrari. It's like 310 to Yuma is a movie I've loved for a long time. Didn't even realize it was James Mangold. Ford v. Ferrari, I watched recently, really liked it. Of course, Logan is great. And that's what I mostly knew him from before uh, all of this. And we then I just watched like, Girl Interrupted, yeah. which isn't like any of those movies at all, but I like it. Oh, he's got such a wild filmography. Like he's all over the place in his choices. And I, like he wants to do Dawn of the Jedi as like a biblical epic, which is a new different kind of genre. And I like that about him too, that he, he wants to keep pushing himself. So yeah, I like Mangled. That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching and may the force be with you. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.